Hi, this is David Harewood, and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Italia Ricci joins the cast. A new Supergirl comic is in the works. And we discuss human for a day. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about the season one episode of the show titled Human for a Day. But before we get into our discussion, we've got the news. Actress Italia Ricci is joining Supergirl in a recurring role. She will be playing Siobhan Smythe, Cat Grant's latest hire at Catco, who at first becomes a work nemesis for Kara, but proves a more deadly foe for Supergirl when she becomes DC villain Silver Banshee. (laughs) She will first appear in episode 14. I don't know about you, but I actually kind of freaked out about this news. I, was, <laughs> I saw you on Twitter. I was like, I, oh, God, I'm loving this. <laughs> I was very excited just because um, I think the way Supergirl has been embracing comic booky things in the show, I think that we're going to get a really cool version of Silver Banshee. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the CBS version looks like. And um, and I l- actually really liked this story because um, this was in the Bizarro Girl uh, collection, right, of um, the story where she's dealing with Silver Banshee. Yeah, it was in uh, Death in the Family. Oh, Death in the Family. Sorry, I misspoke. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was a really great comic story and a really interesting one. And uh, I do hope that they stay at least partially true to that. I mean, I know they'll make it their own, but... It was definitely very cool, and she's one of the more uh, intriguing villains because there's there seems to be a lot of like history with her, mm-hmm. um, a lot of interesting history that's kind of uncommon for comic book type villains. So it's just really cool. Yeah, and I'm excited about Italia. Um, I only know her from Chasing Life, but uh, I thought she was really good in that. So I'm excited to see what she brings to a villainous role. Yeah. Well, according to Newsarama.com, DC is developing a new Supergirl comic book that will tie into CBS's Supergirl TV series, and it is advertised for release on August 9th, 2016. So I am really excited about this. I hope it kind of has that same sort of feel as that uh, Sister Act comic that we read after Comic-Con. So I'm I'm hoping that we'll get some, some more of that. I do hope that um, – because it is a digital first title, so they are going to be doing releasing it digitally first. And then I don't know if they're going to be doing single issues or if they're going to release it in print as a trade. But either way, you know, I'm just glad for more Supergirl comics uh, that are ongoing. Absolutely. Because, um, I, I mean, I always have like a, a thing about like TV tie-in comics because I'm like, well, if I'm watching the show, what do I need the comic for? Mm-hmm. Like the – you know, because they can't – 
stray too far away from the show canon, so they're kind of limited in their storytelling. But I think that if it if it does take the tone of uh, and tell the kind of story that um, Sister Act did. And I hope that the the creative team at the TV show is involved because, like, Andrew Kreisberg and, and Greg Berlanti and Ali Adler wrote that yeah. little story. Right. Um, I hope they're continuing to be as involved in the comic as well because that could be very interesting because then they have total control over, you know, what's on the show, what's in the comic as opposed to other comics writers that might be trying to keep up with it. Yeah, and I – I understand your problem with like kind of supplemental comics. Like I totally get that. I'm hoping that it will be more of like a, just an addendum, you know, if that that makes any sense. Like you don't need this information to watch the TV show, but here's just a little fun thing that has happened while they were doing something else. So I'm hoping that's sort of what it's like, but I'm excited about the comic either way. Yeah, and like, yeah, it could totally just be set in the world of the show, right. and then Supergirl, like, can you know be going off doing all sorts of other things, you know, that have nothing to do with the show at all. Well, moving on, according to comicbookresources.com, Melissa Benoist and Kyler Lee will be attending C2E2. Uh, they're going to be signing autographs, and this is the uh, Comic-Con in Chicago. Um, they'll be signing autographs and taking part in panels. And we don't have official times or dates for the panels yet, but we do know that it's being held at McCormick Place, uh, which again is in Chicago, Illinois, during the weekend of March 18th to the 20th of next year. So uh, all of you Chicago fans can start getting excited, or everybody that's going to Chicago to uh, to enjoy C2E2. Um, you're going to have some Supergirl action over there. Yeah, I'm so jealous. I don't think I'm going to be available during that weekend, but uh, that sounds really exciting. So it sounds like they're going to start doing uh, fan conventions and kind of doing some of the other conventions, not just, you know, San Diego. So yeah. that's that's good to know. That makes me happy. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that that means that uh, – because C2E2 is put on by the same company as does uh, New York Comic Con as well. Oh, cool. I so, um, yeah, it's all uh, Reed Expo, um, the Reed Expo folks. So hopefully that means that uh, there might be some Supergirl at New York Comic Con as well and beyond. Our last bit of news uh, comes from an interview with Callista Flockhart, which I thought this little bit was really interesting, so I thought we could talk about it really quickly. Um, mm-hmm. She was recently interviewed, and when asked if there is any possibility that Cat Grant might have a clue that Kara is Supergirl, she responded, quote, no, not yet. She's smart, but she's not that smart, unquote. <laughs> And I was like, I think she is lying. <laughs> I really, I really want her to be lying. But I just thought that that was so uh, funny that, you know, that got addressed with her uh, during that set of questions. So if anybody's interested in reading her entire interview, it's over at ksitv.com. Yeah, I think it's funny because I, I don't think it has anything to do with Cat uh, being smart so much as it has to do with her being self-absorbed. Oh, like, <laughs> good point. I, I fully believe that she's incredibly intelligent. I also believe that she cares very much about herself (laughs) and therefore doesn't see things that she chooses not to see. Mm -hmm. So if she decides that uh, that Kara is just this, you know, mousy assistant, that's the only thing she's going to see her as. And she will look at Supergirl and it won't even occur to her that that the two could be the same person. It doesn't just 
hold true for Kara. We also saw in this week's episode where that carries on with Wynn, too. (laughs) (laughs) Wynn gets the she-doesn't-know-his-name treatment twice in the episode. She calls him Wick, and then she calls him Wit. So she has no idea what his name is and that he actually works at her company, even though his desk is right outside of her office. So, yeah, I I think you made a good point. Yeah, no, and it's, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second, but I thought it was awesome that he's making progress, that at least he gets a wrong nickname now. Like, <laughs> like you know, Kira is Kira. Um, and so, you know, he gets a wit or a wick. Like, at least she knows it's a W name. That's mm-hmm. fine. That's you close. know, like, like, like Kira's close enough. Like, he's like, she's like, you're the, you're the girl who's my assistant. You're good at your job. Thanks, Kira, for everything. <laughs> and uh, so now wit will also be a valued employee. <laughs> At least as as much as his, like, first initial. Yeah. Um, But uh, let's get into the discussion of season one's uh, Supergirl episode called Human for a Day. And uh, here's the official description from CBS. Quote, Kara and her friends must rely on their inner strength and courage when an earthquake strikes National City. Also, Alex's mistrust of Hank reaches a breaking point when the earthquake traps them in the DEO with Jem, played by Charles Halford, a powerful alien escapee. So much to unpack here. This was this was an episode that was just full of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it starts with the basic premise that, you know, as we know from last week's episode, she, after Red Tornado, has lost her powers. She drained herself, you know, using her heat vision in such a such an impassioned way. And so she was bleeding at the end of last week's episode. And now we've discovered that she's completely drained like a battery and she needs to recharge the way Superman does uh, in the yellow sun. Um, but it's taking her a little bit longer than it takes Superman. Um, mm-hmm. Superman generally takes about 48 hours. And she, you know, is taking a bit more than that. Um, Rebecca, what do you think about uh, Supergirl's experience of not having any powers? Well, you know, it's not unheard of to have a story where Superman or Supergirl has, you know, they have to go without their powers and their super abilities are taken away from them. So it's 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 something I've seen before in other versions of the super family. But mm-hmm. what I thought was really special about this one was that Kara experienced, in my opinion, the full scale of what it is to be a human. Like she says, uh-huh. you know, I feel so helpless. And James says, yeah, it's because you're feeling human. <laughs> um, and what that means to her is that for the first time she is feeling, uh, well, one of the first times, because she did feel some pain when she got uh, attacked by kryptonite. But she feels physical pain in this episode. She gets pricked with a needle. She breaks her arm. And I can attest to... Um, having problems with needles because I have these tiny rolling veins and it's genetic. My mother has them. My grandfather had them. So I always have to tell people when they take my blood, like you have to go through my hand. You're not going to be able to go through this spot in my arm. <laughs> like, I've been through this already. I know like- <laughs> how this is. Listen to me. You need the tiny needle. So um, to, to for me, you know, and all the kind of blood tests and things I've had to go, you know, have to have to have done over the years, I thought that that particular part of it was really funny to me because I totally have issues with needles and, you know, breaking bones. I've sprained a wrist and ankle. I've broken a leg. I've dislocated a shoulder four times in one day. Jeez. You know, like I've done all sorts of crazy things to my, to my body. This um, is why I'm glad I'm an indoor girl. I don't I don't deal with things that could harm me 
in that way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to break things. I'm not doing anything active there. <laughs> yeah. One time, now I'll never hurt myself. <laughs> one, one time I did fall off a wall when I was six years old. Um, oh, God. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it sounds worse than it was. Um, but I did break my leg in two places. Oh, and no. uh, my parents had an eye doctor look at it. It was a mess. Um, <laughs> he was like, you're, you're fine. Oh, the eye doctor said I had no problems with my leg. I must be fine. Um, but I thought that that was really funny that she not only felt physical pain, but she also had some emotional pain as well. Like when she's, you know, with the daughter and the dad and the dad is kind of dying there and she can't do anything. She's trying to use, I think her x-ray vision because they talk about needing an x-ray. She can't help him there. She feels like she needs comfort at the beginning when Alex is holding her hand, when she's going through all these tests. And um, she just hates not being able to uh, be there to help other people. So she's getting this physical pain. She's having emotional pain. And on top of all that, she gets sick which I thought yeah. was hilarious because she has to take the bus. She gets sick because she gets she catches a cold from a 10-year-old on the bus. So I thought that a lot of that, in addition to the, the fact that she feels powerless, like I was like, that is most of the scale of what it means to be a human, that we all have these problems and we have to deal with them on – on a regular basis. So I thought if she's going to experience being a human, that's a good way to do it. I have to say though, one thing that I was thinking about as I was watching this was that, okay, so she doesn't have her powers. Um, and it's, it's an interesting exploration of, of that kind of vulnerability and what it means to be human and all of that. But the only reason why she has these powers is because of the yellow sun. And she was born on Krypton. She had a good, like, 12, 13 years on Krypton where she wasn't a powered person on her home planet. Right. So, so I wonder, does she remember any of that? Did she ever run around and break something while she was living in her home planet? Like, why is this stuff so shocking to her when she really, I mean, at this point she's been like, you know, she's been used to having powers for like half of her life. Mm -hmm. But it's not the only life she's ever known. And I was kind of uh, one thing I was kind of missing was her addressing that. Like, oh, I haven't broken a bone since I was like 10, you know, or I haven't like skinned my knees since I was, you know, whatever. So I do kind of wonder why they never address that, especially since the big difference between her and Superman is that she did have this other childhood on another planet. Right. And that's a good point because on Krypton, she wouldn't have had the super abilities. And so she probably, if she did fall down, she would hurt herself. Uh, so I think that's something valid to bring up. And I, I do think that they could have put a little line in there like, oh, I haven't done this since since I was, like you said, 10 years old. Um, yeah. That's something that would have easily uh, been able to include into a script. Um, I so mean, I totally get it. Unless she was totally an indoor girl like me and she was Maybe looking so. at her like fancy schmancy Wikipedia all day <laughs> and not doing anything that would hurt herself. Yeah, it's hard to hurt yourself when you're laying in bed all day. It's so true. There's... In her fancy room. Um, I did think it was it was interesting how they related her going through this to Superman going through it. And how uh, basically she acknowledges that Clark Kent is a big old nerd by, you know, calling it a solar flare. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, oh, this is something that he goes through too. But something else that, and, you know, since you have, I still have not to this day seen Man of Steel. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will get around to it. There's too much TV to watch. But I, I forgive you. It's fine. 
But, I mean, I know that something that's going to be an issue in uh, Batman v Superman as well is the whole idea of, like, you know, what if these superheroes think that they're gods? You know, what if Mm -hmm. they they think they're better than people? And I thought it was interesting in Kara's kind of – when she kind of breaks down a little bit with Jimmy at the bus stop and, you know, talks about how she's never felt this helpless before. And he's like, you're being human. And she's acting like it's the worst – yeah. Thing in the world. And a part of me was like, hey, listen, everybody that you are surrounded by feels this way every day. Um, so maybe instead of being like, this is the worst tragedy to ever happen, maybe, you know, I don't know. Like I, I kind of wanted James to to probe her a little bit more, like maybe even be a little insulted. Like, what are you trying to say about the rest <laughs> of us? Like, like, I'm sorry, we can't all be, you know, cool like you and have the sun react like a battery to us. But like, you know, come on. yeah, totally. She was very down on herself and kind of depressed about it. But I think that's what makes it so great at the end when she's inspired by Cat Grant of all people. Yes. That she actually makes the decision to go visit Kat to tell her that. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a big lesson for Kara in this episode to experience that, oh, I can do these things without these powers. And, oh, these other people who don't have powers on a regular basis like I do, they're heroes just as much as I am. So there's something in there that they kind of needed to do to make that point. But, yeah, it, it did seem a little insulting. And I'm surprised that James didn't say anything. But he also gives her good advice. He says no hero can save everyone, not even yes. Superman. But a real hero never stops trying. And she exemplifies that in the episode when she goes to stop the robbery in her Supergirl suit without her powers. So I I like that he tried to encourage her because I I think he 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 knows what it is to be human and he knows what the super powered people go through when this kind of thing happens, probably. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's all she needed was a little nudge to know that she can still be a hero without her powers. A little James Olsen pep talk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And and I I have to say, I love that moment between uh, Supergirl and Kat at the end. Um, and I also love, I mean, uh, that moment was beautiful when Kara walks into that store, you know, this guy holding a family at gunpoint, trying to rob their store, and she talks him down. And that, that's that been consistent throughout. Like, that's always been something that she does. Um, I, I don't think, I, I, it was interesting to watch her realize that that's something she does. Because mm-hmm. that's something that, that we've seen throughout. She does that with Reactron. She does that pretty much with everybody. She always gives them a chance to kind of change their mind and appeals to their, their better angels before resorting to any kind of violence. But this time it was interesting to, to notice that she learned that that's something she could do. Right. Um, anyone can have powers, but there's a, a difference between a superhero and a supervillain, right? Like uh, a superhero wants to use those powers to help people and they already have that innately. And you could see her hand shaking, like the way that, that that was shot, like it was focusing on her her hurt arm. Yeah. And the way that she was shaking as she's standing there trying to look brave and look normal you know look the you know super like supergirl so that was shot so beautifully and then uh to have her be able to take that gun away and have james snap the picture of it right so that she can always have that moment is is it was just really cool yeah and i can testify having broken some bones and <laughs> having messed myself up that for kara to be able to do that 
in the midst of her pain was pretty impressive to me because if there is any sharp pain when you break a bone or sprain something, it can be almost debilitating. I mean, when I had my broken leg, I tried to get up in the middle of the night and I walk, I tried to walk on it and I fell over again. Like it's one of those things where like when your body's not working, it can be really tough. So I, I thought it was awesome that she was able to kind of get over that pain and, and, and willpower herself to do that. So I, yeah, I liked the, the bit where you could see her hand shaking. Now, uh, there's some stuff with, uh, with Kara and James that, uh, we should probably get to as well. Um, and we might even include, Wick in this, or Wit, <laughs> or Win, because obviously uh, Cara and Jane had a lot of screen time together because you know she was sent home. James was looking at an apartment that he's you know thinking about getting with with Lucy. Um, so there's that stuff going on, and then they bond in what I think was my favorite scene in the whole episode was the scene where he gives her the picture of uh, her foiling that robbery. And then she asks him what his the first picture he took was. And he shows her the picture of his father that he took before he went off to war and never came back. First of all, shout out to McCod Brooks. That moment broke my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just beautiful and amazing. But then they bond, they share a hug, and who comes in but, you know... Wit Wick Win, who <laughs> who has his information and uh, immediately overreacts to them hugging and sharing a moment that he has no idea what it's about. I don't know. What did you think of that? Maybe you were less pissed off about it than me. <laughs> no, well, no, I don't know. I was I was sort of upset with Win because I felt like he was being very unfair to Kara because, like mm-hmm. you said, he doesn't know what's happening. He's only kind of seeing it from the outside. So he he probably could have listened to her explanation because he sort of made her feel bad about herself. And so that's why she makes that decision to go visit Kat because I think she needed a pep talk. And apparently Kat Grant is now the person who gives pep talks. Um, (laughs) Well, in in an inspirational way, I guess I should say, um, that would make Kara feel better. Um, But yeah, I I wasn't real pleased with when during that moment. But I agree with you about the the scene with James when he's talking about the picture. I love that they gave him such a great motivation for him to become a photographer. Mm -hmm. I really thought that had a lot of emotional weight to it, that he kind of did it so that in some ways was keeping his dad dad's memory alive. Mm-hmm. And I loved his bit of dialogue where he says, they say the best photographs express how you feel about what you're photographing. And I really connected with that, not because of pictures I take, because I am a, such an amateur <laughs> at, <laughs> at um, photography. I wish I was a better photographer. I, I you do like video and stuff too. I, I do some video, but still photography is a little bit of a different art. I've been mm. working on it for a long time. I try to, you know, post my best stuff on Instagram. Um, but even my stuff, I don't, I don't know if it, you know, captures things the way I want them to be. But I have this friend named Matt who takes um, these really awesome pictures of like old abandoned buildings and these portraits of these like everyday interesting people. And every time I look at his pictures, 
I totally can feel what is happening in those moments. I can feel the temperature. I can understand what is going on in, in the surrounding area of the image. I can, I, you know, I almost want to like meet those people he's, he's taking pictures of. I want to talk to them. I want to know their story. And so I totally thought about my friend Matt during that scene because I think what James said is correct. I think really good pictures can make you feel things. And so I liked that they had James be the one to take that picture because that's very Superman, you know, Jimmy Olsen for him to be out there and taking a picture of some big important event that someone with an S shield is involved in. And I liked that the, the truth of that moment for Kara was that she didn't need superpowers to be a hero. And like you said, like she has that memory that if she ever forgets that she can look at that picture and see it. And so I just, I, maybe it's because like I shoot video and try to take pictures. I was really connected to the, the photography bits in this episode. Yeah. I I thought that stuff was really great. And I, I loved James in this whole episode. I think that's one of the things that I love the best about this episode is that uh, there were so many great moments between people in it. Like um, the characters are just becoming so much more well-rounded and full. And I just love watching them talk to each other. Like they, they feel so lived in and so real and, and just the cast is doing an amazing job. Now let's talk about Maxwell Lord a little bit because so here we have, um, you know, Cat Grant and her station goes down, and she obviously wants to get it back up and running uh, after this earthquake happens. And she wants to spread a positive message, uh, keep people uplifted and hopeful. Um, and of course, to, you know, showcase her brand of Supergirl, even though Supergirl is nowhere to be found at the moment. Um, but Maxwell has a different take on the situation, and he's kind of doing a very, I hate to say it, but Lex Luthor type of a thing. Oh, very where- much so. Um, (laughs) where he has to, where he's appealing to people's sense of personal responsibility and saying, listen, we can't depend on unreliable superheroes uh, to help us. We have to help ourselves. Uh, What did you think about that whole storyline? Yeah, I know. I liked the contrasting between him and Kat. And I, I thought it was funny. It just, it just cracked me up the whole time that Kat became this, inspiration to the city like of all the time she's been saucy and snarky and she snaps at everybody like she had a genuine sense of wanting to give people hope and she was actually trying to emphasize that everyone could be a hero i loved her her lines where she says now you can react to this crisis by being petty and divisive or preying on other people's fears and after all it is human to be selfish but isn't it also human to face our weaknesses and rise above them and she encourages people to act like a superhero even if they aren't one and Mm -hmm. i just thought that was really neat because she she was talking about what it meant to be a human just as much as Maxwell Lord was. Maxwell was saying, oh, I think we should be humans by pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and doing things for ourselves. But Kat was almost saying, don't worry so much about yourself, but let's try to help each other and be there for um, other people and not just be selfish, even though that is a, a very human thing to do. But let's 
since we don't have a superhero, we're going to have to be our own superheroes. So I liked that she, in in some ways, was encouraging other people to look out for each other and not just look out for number one like Maxwell was. Yeah, no, and I uh, and I do listen. And the other thing is that I I wouldn't want to take away from you know because Maxwell Lord did set up that like relief center, right? right. Like he he is out there trying to help people. Mister, I finished medical school in a year. Um, <laughs> is out there trying to help, and and it's and I don't think he's he's entirely selfish so much as he he thinks that like he doesn't trust anyone, um, and so so he thinks that regular people, I guess, quote unquote, are more capable of helping each other than, say, an organization like the government or mm. a a superhero like Supergirl. Um, he, he, he's, he's very contrary in that he doesn't trust the people that everybody else trusts. Like he's he th- because he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And usually he is. But because he's the smartest guy in the room, he's like, listen, I know better. Like, all of you sheep are trusting all of these people that everybody tells you to trust on TV, but I'm here to tell you that your trust is misplaced. Um, what he won't admit is that he really just wants people to trust him, and then he'll be the person to tell them what to do, which, again, is very Lex Luthor, and I'm just waiting for for that to just be full-blown. Yeah, it's... The, change his name. Yeah, the whole, like, wanting to be the best of humanity that's very Lex Luthor to me um and I also thought it was really I don't know if ironic is the right word thanks Alanis Morissette for ruining that for me um and confusing the heck out of me but um Max says that he wants the world to see that a human being is helping them in their time of need and I thought that that was I'll say ironic for a lack of a better word that when Kara's trying to help those people at the relief center tent she is by all accounts human and so i just kind of thought that that was a a, an interesting little bit there that oh yeah during during that moment she was a human who was trying to help another human and um yeah i do think max is kind of like if you want something done right do it yourself i think that is the kind of mindset that i see him adopting that you know he he he's like you said he's not a very trusting guy so he's kind of developed his attitude i'm i'm going to do it myself i'm going to come out here and i'm i'm going to be here to help people um so there is a part of him i think you made a good point that he was still trying to help people while all this was going down so in some ways max was a hero too yeah and that's the i mean isn't that like clearly this episode is allowing for everybody to kind of have their moment of heroism um even Wynn, who was probably my least favorite person in this episode, as he kind of usually is. Sorry, I love you, Jeremy Jordan. But um, <laughs> Wynn, as a character, kind of grates on my nerves. But uh, even he had a moment of being able to shine at the office. Like there yes. was a uh, an, an inspiring Kat's, you know, angle and her story in the process that, you know, he's he's used to just doing very mundane things. But when there's a crisis, he steps up to the plate and he can you know, do his thing. So, and, you know, even as he's been on Team Supergirl, you know, I mean, he's always there to, to you know, to hack something or to, you know, provide some information or, or get some intel using his skills for the greater good. So that is, uh, has been Wynn's way of being a hero. Um, so yeah, everybody really has their moment. And, okay, I just, I need to talk about the biggest moment <laughs> in this episode. And we haven't touched on this storyline at all yet, because while all of this stuff with the earthquake is happening with Kara and James and all of them, 
Alex is trapped in the DEO with uh, an escaped alien prisoner named Jem. And I'm sorry, I couldn't help but think, like, we need the misfits. We need a battle of bands. <laughs> but um, so Jem has escaped and he's a powerful, strong, mind control, mind controlling villain. And uh, she's trapped not only with him in the DEO, but with Hank Henshaw, whom she doesn't trust at all at this point. Um, and, and just every moment that passes, she trusts him less and less because like lie upon lie, keeps <laughs> redacted up. information, redacted information. And then, you know, he goes out to get Jem with two of his other DEO agents taking these, uh, neural disruptors to block Jem's powers of mind control. And then he comes back alone. The other two have died. And he says that the neural disruptors have been destroyed. But then she decides to go out there herself and she finds that they're still working. And she's like, see, I knew he was lying. So let's talk about that. What did you think about the big reveal? Well, as far as twists go, I mean, he was pretty much who everybody expected him to be. So yeah, I, I don't know that it was a big surprise to me. I, I'm, I'm still, I guess for me as a TV viewer, I miss the days of Lost because there were, there were episodes and things that happened in that show that I never saw coming. And yeah. so for some of these comic book shows like Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, even Gotham to an extent, like there's, there's a part of me that like thinks comic book fans are just too smart for you writer people. Um, ah. Because, you know, a lot of people saw that coming from, episode two. So in, in terms of it being a twist, I don't know that it was so much a twist for us. It was like a twist for that general audience who goes on Google to look up Hank Henshaw and see Cyborg Superman. And then, oh, all of a sudden he's not that guy. That's a right. twist for those folks. So I wasn't impressed in terms of it being, oh my gosh, I totally didn't see this coming. It wasn't that kind of a thing for me. Well, I think, I mean, I think it, it you know, it could have gone either way. Like they either were going to go Martian Manhunter or they were going to figure out a way to make him Cyborg Superman. Like mm -hmm. there's, there were options. I'm not sure that it was necessarily supposed to be a a twist per se. And for the record, I'm just like, not everything has to be a twist to be a satisfying story. Sure. Like I think sometimes I think twists are actually, you know, they can be kind of cheap. Like, oh, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, there's this other thing. Like, you know, things that surprise us are generally based in story. Like usually you can go back and be like, oh, yeah, they were setting that up so that all along that's what you were going to expect. Right. Um, so nothing's ever really a, a full out surprise. Yeah, it's, um, it's all in the execution. Um, yeah. But in terms of the execution, I thought it was done very, very well. I was glad that we got that confirmation on who, you know, quote, Hank is. I guess we're just going to call him Jean from now on. Like, do we still call him Hank? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I, well, because I think it, he says that she can't tell anybody. So I think they're going to be referring to him as Hank at the DEO okay. regardless because she can't tell anybody, even Kara, which right. I don't understand why that is. But. Yeah, so I, I think until further notice, he's still going to be known as Hank until okay, I guess, something changes. I guess for the purposes of the podcast, we'll just call him whatever they call him on the show. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100% that a really good twist in a story or a good reveal in a story does something for the story. And I thought what was so great about this Martian Manhunter reveal was not so much that he was Martian Manhunter, because we all kind of figured that, but the way it impacted Alex and I guess Jean's relationship. Yeah. And that's what I thought was the most incredible part about that, because 
Alex had these issues with him, but to hear his story and to hear how her father impacted his life and um, sacrificed himself for him. Well, <laughs> Jeremiah sacrificed himself for, for John. John and f- to to know that he took this kind of oath to be like, I'm going to protect your daughter. And, and how Jean kind of considers her, his you know, thinks of her as his daughter. That I thought was really, really powerful. And I'm looking forward to seeing where their relationship goes in the future. So even if I thought like, oh, this is not, you know, I mean, it was a game change. Like they were, you know, on Twitter, they were like, oh, this is a game changer episode or whatever. And I was like, well, it's not a game changer in like, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. But it's a game changer for these relationships between the characters. So that's oh, yeah. what I'm excited about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, 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 things will clearly never be the same right. on the show. Right. Now that now that Alex knows who he is. Um, also, props to the transformation, too. I thought that looked really great. Oh, yeah. Um, it looked awesome. He, he looks awesome as Martian Manhunter. As I've seen online, they're probably not going to do that often because it probably costs a lot of money. <laughs> but... It looks great. So when they do do it, good job, guys. Um, but yeah, really, David Harewood's performance, um, he's hes the other one that I feel like was the star of this episode. Um, I think Melissa Benoist, uh, McCod Brooks, and, and David Harewood really had a chance to shine in this episode, and they all delivered. Um, watching David Harewood just immediately become paternal mm. um, in that moment, like because up until now, he's been kind of a crotchety, you know... <laughs> You know, dude who's like a curmudgeon, you know, like he's he's just like, oh, everything bugs me. Why do we, you know, blah, 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 aliens, blah. Like he's been <laughs> been putting on this act this whole time. And then to have him immediately just drop it in front of Alex and just be like, I care about you so much because I cared about your dad so much. And, and I'm protecting you like you're my own daughter. Like that was just a, a, a great shift that made so much sense in the way he delivered it. So... Good job there as well, because that was beautifully done. And I really liked Kyler Lee's performance in that scene, because I think I've even said it on this podcast, like a good actor is a good reactor. And mm-hmm. I think she, the way she responded to what he was telling her and kind of the shock mixed in with, you know, sympathy and compassion for him. I, I thought, you know, I could totally feel what Alex was going through i mean she Mm -hmm. she had spent the majority of the episode so mad at him and here he was telling her the truth in a very quiet way in a very peaceful and calm way and she started to you know everything started to click for her so i i enjoyed the two of them in that scene oh definitely and she's been great throughout like i mean she's really built this character who who's completely made up for the show so Mm -hmm. she's like starting from scratch has really made Alex awesome throughout this whole thing. And you really feel like the buildup of the past couple of episodes in her performance here. Cause like for, for the past couple of episodes, she's been, you know, dealing with this mystery, kind of worrying about what might've been done to her dad, worrying about the circumstances of that. And it's built and built and built. And finally in this episode, we see all of that kind of boil over. And she can't take it anymore. And she's like ready to, you know, she's convincing Agent Donovan to basically get in on some mutiny, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, her, her commanding officer has, has told her to stay there and she's disobeying orders. She's bringing other people with her because she has that little trust left for Hank. And, and so watching that kind of boil over 
throughout the episode and then have it simmer down once she finds the truth out was also very cool to watch. So you're right. Kyler Lee deserves all sorts of credit. I was having so many 24 flashbacks during this episode because (laughs) there were so many episodes of 24 where like somebody on the team betrayed somebody else on the team and there were you know they had to shut the ctu down and lock everybody (laughs) up and i was just like this is this makes me want to see an alex danvers jack bauer team up well this is why i stopped watching that show after season three so (laughs) so good I, I, I need to catch up on that. That's one of the shows I will binge when I, like, have an illness. Um, <laughs> I'll wait till I have a good, like, like flu or something to, like, really get into that. Um, but, yeah, I have to say, for me, like, and I said this, too, in my, uh, in my Mary Sue Supergirl recap uh, as well, but I'm kind of over the one-off villains on this show. Because Jem, for example, was... You know, he was he was cool. He was all right. He's this, you know, we're all afraid that he's going to get loose and take over our minds and what have you. But then Alex kind of dispatches with him pretty quickly. Like, she almost has him. And then, you know, obviously he, he throws her around like a rag doll for a little bit. And then Martian Manhunter shows up. But, like... What? No, no, back up. Because I want to talk about this. Because okay. this is where the Jack Bauer thing came into play and what made me <laughs> laugh so hard. Because Alex, it's not as simple to say, like, oh, she went in and shot him. She pumped Jim full of lead. Then she set off a bomb. Then she picked up a shotgun and she was like, and she started walking towards Jim while shooting the gun. Then she pulled two handguns out. And I was like, oh my gosh. Alex Alex had every weapon that the DEO had on um, on her. On her. And it was amazing. So, but yes, yeah, she, she did need Jean or Hank in this instance to save her. But I was just like, you go, Alex. You shoot every weapon you have in that alien. Well, no, I mean, and that's what, that's what I mean when I say that it, like, she easily dispatches with him. I mean, yeah, 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 she, yeah. like, 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 he's supposedly, like, so powerful, but for all that she's badass, she's still just a human with guns. Right. True. Like, like, it shouldn't be even that easy to, like, you know, affect him. Although I do love, like, anytime you get somebody flying through the air with two guns, one in each hand, like, that's just cool, <laughs> no matter what, just because it's badass. But, like, she still shouldn't have been able to do that. That's true. Um, that's true. And, and she did, and it was like, eh. But the bigger issue for me is that, like, and hopefully this will change now that we uh, we have, at the end of this episode, have the reintroduction of Aunt Astra. And we've got Maxwell Lord kind of hanging out in the corner. And we've got, um, you know, some other kind of longer term villains happening. But like the one-off villains just seem kind of like, okay, there they are. And then, you know, by the end of the episode, they're going to be defeated. And then here's the next guy and he's going to be defeated. And what I liked about Supergirl in the comics, and we've talked about this before, is that her greatest enemy is herself. Mm. And so I feel like one of the reasons why they can't, like, you know, like, she'll face villains all the time and, and dispatch them pretty quickly, but you don't have, like, a joker. You know, you don't have, like, a nemesis, like a constant just threat. I think they're trying to create that maybe with Astra, maybe with Maxwell Lord as, as constantly being just an antagonist to her protagonist. But, like, I think something that I, I hope they explore more is the idea of Kara being her own worst enemy. Because I think that's where you'll really get into some 
interesting storytelling. And whether that's Bizarro Girl, which mm-hmm. I hope they, we, they get into maybe. I, I think we would both love that. Oh, my God. Or, you know, something else. Like you've had like, you know, Galatea on uh, on Justice League Unlimited or like, um, you know, any Power Girl, whatever, like uh, some other version of herself. We'd need something like that to create like a worthwhile enough villain for Kara Zor-El. Because uh, she, she can pretty much take on anybody but herself like she's her own best match so like. that's such a good point and and one i didn't kind of connect because i know we've talked about how like with helgermite alex was able to put him down and while i love that she is awesome and she can kick butt there are some things where i i or sometimes that i think alex maybe shouldn't be able to defeat some of those people or maybe they should affect her like maybe jim could have you know, scanned her brain and gotten some kind of information. Um, I think the only time that Alex goes up against one of the supervillains and loses was Astra, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, But then, like, with Maxwell Lord, because I'm so worried about Alex and Maxwell Lord, maybe that's going to be a time where she lets her guard down and Mm. um, is is kind of in some danger that way. But, yeah, I and I also think you make a great point about Supergirl being her kind of own worst enemy. And and I do hope we get to see something like that, because I think especially in this episode, Kara had to get over the hurdle of that mindset that I'm no good without powers. So she kind of had to to leap over a hurdle, and that that could have <laughs> that could yeah. have been her her problem for the episode. Um, so I I think you make a great point about that. I want if if they're going to be villains on the show from now on, I just want them to be like worthwhile and really like difficult problems to solve, um, which I think that you know they can be. And now that we have a full season order, we've got like plenty more opportunity to see some really quality villains yeah. uh, come up. So final thoughts. What are your overall thoughts about the episode? I am glad we know about Martian Manhunter now. And uh, what excites me about that is that we don't have to speculate anymore. Now we can just tell stories or Mm -hmm. they can tell stories and we can watch them um, is what I should say. Um, And I hope that this leads to maybe flashbacks of David Harewood's character, Jean, uh, with... Dean Cain's Jeremiah. I would love to see the flashback of that. And I would love to see stories set on Mars. You know, can we get flashbacks of Martian Manhunter's homeworld and mm. what, what made it, you know, those are the kind of things that I'm excited about now that that, that reveal has happened, that we can get to actual storytelling now. Um, we don't have to waste time. Who is he? Who is he? We can actually see stories of him. So I'm excited about that. But the Hank Henshaw thing, I am really conflicted about because he tells Alex that Hank and Jeremiah are dead. And I'm so torn because the way he talked about Jeremiah and how much of a hero he was, like I know we've kind of talked about what if Jeremiah is actually alive and he becomes the cyborg Superman. And I kind of don't want Jeremiah to be alive anymore because I want that memory of him being a hero to stay that way. Um, mm-hmm. Because what if Jeremiah does come back and he does become a full-on supervillain? Um, <laughs> but I could also see the writers wanting to play with that, that the hero becomes the villain. Um, so I just, I don't know how I feel about death on this show. It's a really complicated response because 
then I also want Hank Henshaw to be alive somewhere <laughs> because I do want a cyborg Superman. So I'm kind of like really confused and conflicted about the Hank, the whole Hank Henshaw thing now. But um, I loved this episode. I thought it was great to show um, that everyday people, humans can be heroes. And I loved Kat all throughout this episode. I loved that she had a little inspiring speech at Kat Co saying, you know, if, if if you want to go home and see your families, you can you can go and do so. And then, like when somebody got up to leave, she took a picture and documented who left. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that, that kind of stuff really still cracks me up because uh, she's just cat being cat, even if she's being really inspiring. So um, I loved all the character stuff and how it balanced the inspiring stuff with all the really scary stuff. And so uh, I thought it was a good episode all around. Definitely, yeah. No, I I, I agree. This episode was great. It was solid. It. Um, every episode of Supergirl has gotten better and this one is no exception. It's just, they keep getting deeper and, uh, the characters get better and better. Um, I did love that this was such a character focused story. I always say that like, I'm even in a superhero story, I'm more drawn to the character stuff, like Mm -hmm. more than the superhero tropes and like all of that. Um, not that those aren't fun and I love them too, but like, I it, like I could watch a whole episode of just like Kara and James talking about life or like Kat and and, you know, Kat and Kara or Alex and Kara or, you know, whoever. Like I, I love watching these people interact with each other because they all have in their own way the desire to make the world better. And I think that I love watching them try to like suss that out with each other. So, yeah, it's it's um it was a great episode. A couple of little snags, like I hope they do something with Wynn soon. Like I feel like they're building up to something, like he's going to snap or something, but he just keeps getting inexplicably angry, and I'm just waiting for the moment where his jealousy like leads him somewhere that is a good story, rather than just having him be really crappy to Kara all the time um, because he can't have her, and so he tells her that she can never have a normal life. And let me remind you of that over and over again. Meanwhile, if she ever wanted to date him, he'd be like, oh, yeah, we should, we could totally have a normal life yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. um, but if it's James, no, you can never have that ever. Um, well, and I, I think part of his motivation was that he was trying to watch out for her, I don't want to say nobility, but, like, James is wanting to move in with Lucy. And, you know, if he's making Mooney eyes over at Kara, that that could cause some problems. So he he might partially be just also just looking out for her as a friend. But right. um, but yeah, I do think that they are kind of waiting to pull the toy man trigger because I think it's maybe not coming for him, but you know we do know that his father will be showing up at some point. So um, that will happen eventually, and I, I'm looking forward to that. And I think it's really funny that um, when you were talking about how you connect more with the characters more than the superheroics, I 100% agree. But then I also was like, yeah, but it was also kind of awesome to see Supergirl save a bus full of kids. Like that was, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool too. But you know, what's, what was interesting about that, that was pretty cool. But I think the coolest moment about that was when she, after she saves this bus, she looks into the window and she's got this big old smile on her face like, hey, kids, I just saved you. What's up? How you doing? And so and that to me was a very like character moment. It's yeah. like after she does this heroic thing, Kara can't help but be giddy about it. Like that's it's it's that kind of stuff that really 
gets to me. Like in that moment, looking at those kids, she wasn't Supergirl. She was Kara. Yeah. And Kara was like, I just did something awesome. And she she like couldn't help but show it. And and um, after spending the whole episode not having her super abilities. Exactly. So it's, a, that, it's a total payoff for her character. Oh, yeah. That was another thing that I was like um, generally strong episode. But one of the things that I was like, ugh, I kind of rolled my eyes was when Wynne comes in with that information about how, oh, she'll get her powers back either with more time in the sun or – with a jolt of Kryptonian extreme adrenaline. Um, and of, at the second he said that, I was like, she's going to save James. <laughs> like, like this, and I'm like, who, who would start that adrenaline going? Who, it, like, she's been watching people be in danger right and left. Nobody has prompted her right. to be like, to have adrenaline. An old man dying in the street doesn't prompt adrenaline. But yeah. like, but love of her life, James Olsen, of course, that's good. I'm like, oh, my God. Love saves the day. Gag. <laughs> so <laughs> that moment I was like, all right, well, whatever, fine. I mean, I don't want James to die in an elevator shaft. So cool. But um, yeah, I was just like, oh, that was a bit of a weak moment because I was like, oh, God, are they really going to go there? And then they did. And I was like, oh. <laughs> But um, but whatever. It was fine. And and she got her powers back and that's all that matters. Um, but yeah, generally strong episode. The only problems I had were those three was the whole win thing. Jem not being, you know, any more or less a great villain than any other villain that they've had on the show. And super Kryptonian adrenaline that is sparked by love. <laughs> um, <laughs> but other than that, it was great all around. I especially love the performances in this episode and I can't wait to see more. Well, that does it for our long discussion of, uh, of about human for a day this week. And uh, let's find out what some of our listeners had to say about the episode. At Will Montgomer 14 said, I knew it all along. Hello, Martian Manhunter. Great episode. At Autism Odysseys said, my 11-year-old started jumping and screaming when Martian Manhunter was revealed. I can't get him to go to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so cute. Um, way to go, Supergirl writers. I hope David Harewood saw that and, and is very pleased with himself. <laughs> At Eric RL325 said, I enjoyed the show before, but that Martian Manhunter reveal was the most satisfying thing I've seen in a long time. At Dwayne IB said, Everyone took a step forward in this episode, but when? Dig the Martian Manhunter reveal, but I'm worried about them repeating Smallville. And uh, I actually agree about when, uh, unfortunately, but with Martian Manhunter, I think what's I'm hoping going to set set them aside from what Smallville did is because when I was watching Smallville, Martian Manhunter, Manhunter was on. He was kind of more of a mentor to Clark. So I'm hoping that Martian Man- Manhunter on the CBS uh, version of Supergirl will have he'll he'll be his own character he'll be able to tell his own stories about his own past and all of that kind of stuff so uh, i'm i'm sure they will do whatever they can to separate themselves and make it different at m teaston said everything with car and jimmy was great and the big reveal of jean at the end was epic <laughs> at Anne fernie fuzzy said amazing martian manhunter looks great at wahoo effect said the last son of mars is here at Skinny Ellie said, that moment between Alex and Hank, in quotation marks, was everything I never knew I wanted. Moved mm. me to tears. At That ADHD Show tweeted, easily the best episode of the season. Moment between H- Hank and Alex was amazing. Kat's speech was powerful. 
I did love that moment in Kat's speech where she has the prepared remarks and then she drops it and she's like, look, people, here's how it is. Like <laughs> they, she, she went in kind of polished. She was going to do her thing. And then she made the conscious decision to like speak from the heart and off the cuff. And I thought that was a really great character choice for her. Well, she is a former host of an award-winning talk show. So she has some broadcast experience. She and, does. And that made me very excited because that is straight from the source material. We know that she had a talk show with WGBS. And uh, that got me really excited. I was like, they are really delving into Cat Grant's character. And that is exciting. <laughs> um, at M. Miller Tech View uh, tweeted, Love how emotionally impactful Supergirl's been getting. Human lessons, lots of heart fun and action at man of steel answers said word of the show inspiring at only one Lois Lane tweeted best episode yet. I teared up multiple times and the cutting between Kat's speech and Kara stopping the robbery was especially good at Brie Quinn 23 tweeted. My heart is still pounding from the East coast and it's already been on in the West coast for 30 minutes. <laughs> At Equivocarly, I said, best episode of the season so far. They keep raising the bar every week, and it's fantastic. Oh, hey, Carly. I love Carly. She was one of our guests uh, a couple episodes ago. So if you yep. would like to uh, listen to her talk about fight or flight, check that episode out. Mm-hmm. At Emily Bet City said, it was amazing. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. At Steve Nanessa323 said, loved it. At the underscore iron underscore noodle said it was beautiful. At Yu Yoshida nineteen eighty seven said it was awesome. At Hattori Warren said this was an awesome episode. At Tim Godbout said it was awesome. At X underscore red underscore five said Kara takes time to change wardrobe before catching the plummeting James. Gotta get your priorities right after all. Smiley <laughs> face. And I was like, it must have been the cape pouch. She must have had some sort of pouch in her, in her, you know, her civvy clothes that somehow turned into a cape. I don't know how that, how does that, how does that go with the reversal of the cape pouch? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just going (laughs) to chalk it up to some sort of pouch in her clothing that she was able to go from her Catco normal clothes into her Supergirl suit. At true underscore just underscore Brian said, loved the episode, but did National City disband its police and fire departments when Supergirl arrived? Hashtag Maxwell Lord is right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm assuming that the emergency, emergency vehicles uh, were having a, a tough time getting around the city. So that's my explanation for that. Well, yeah, I mean, and they said even when uh, um, they're dealing with that woman's father in the street and she says, you know, he says she has, he has to get to the hospital and... You know, he's like, but the ambulances can't get through. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are ambulances everywhere and you can kind of see them in the background. Um, but, yeah, there's, you know, an earthquake happens. Those kind of emergency services can't always get everywhere. And where I think Maxwell Lord is sort of right is that, you know, a, a lot of the time those government services are spread thin. Um, they might not get the attention or the resources they deserve so that when the time comes to have to help people there aren't that many to go around right well and uh, our last tweet comes from at cynthia tan i thought the door would only open for Kara, and i assume this is in reference to supergirl's kind of fortress of solitude at the deo and how <laughs> the deo agents just walk up in there and they're getting their info from the hologram of allura and uh, i think that's an interesting point because in stronger together 
they do make a point to say that that door only opens for Kara. So I would assume that she let them in before they went in. So uh, I hope that's not like a continuity error. And she just, she gave them access, I think. That's how, that's what I'm going to go with. Because obviously she wouldn't have been able to get in at that moment um, uh, because she was out and they were locked in. But, you know, I'm sure they have some kind of fail safe in place. Like she she would let Alex have access, you know, like yeah. I, I I don't think that she would keep Alora all to herself in an emergency. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure they made some kind of arrangement. At least that's what I'm going to choose to believe. Um, <laughs> but they, they probably just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got an email from Gregory who writes, quote, Kara convincing the thief to hand over his gun was indeed a Kodak moment, end quote, and that he was glad that James uh, was the one to be there to capture it. And I totally agree. We also got an email from Troy who writes, quote, this episode did a really great job of showcasing what it is we love about comic book stories and superheroes. Heroes come in all shapes and sizes. Heroic acts can be anything from doing anything you can to help people during a disaster, even the ones you can't save, to talking down a would-be robber by appealing to his humanity, to giving a few inspiring words to someone in their time of need. A hero can face down an alien like Jim with nothing but her wits, the element of surprise, and an endless amount of guns. I mean, an endless amount, <laughs> endless, Troy. Endless. Endless. They were just coming out of her. Um, and Troy goes on to say, or a heroic act can be keeping the promise to look after someone's daughter after that someone gave his life to save an innocent alien life form, unquote. Oh, so yes. That's a great email, Troy. And uh, thank you and Gregory for sharing your thoughts. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And as always, we're available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And we have a big thanks for El Martinez and Giving Back the Glory for leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much. Yes. And we are also part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow and even DC movies. Subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcast on Twitter and like DC TV podcast on Facebook. As for me, uh, Teresa Giacino, you can find me <laughs> every day at the, uh, the Mary Sue, which is where I'm an assistant editor. Uh, that is themarysue.com. Uh, you can also find me through my website. That is teresagiacino.com. And that's Teresa with a T-E. I realize I haven't, I haven't ever spelled that. And a lot of people do the T-H thing, which mm. is super annoying because my name's <laughs> not Theresa. So, um, so it's T-E-R-E-S-A, uh, Giacino. Dot com. And uh, I'm on all of the social media type things, um, usually at Teresa Giacino. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid, that's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D, and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And lately, you're just going to find a lot of me talking about my 5K training uh, because I make those videos to keep myself accountable so I will run. So uh, if you want to check out my videos, you can go there on YouTube. 
Yeah, y'all should totally do that and be inspired because <laughs> I don't know how Rebecca does it, honestly. I'm the laziest person ever. So the fact that she's doing this at all is like, what is happening? Um, so, yeah, definitely check those out. Um, now, if you'd like to stick around here for a quick spoiler section about next week's episode of Supergirl, we'll be doing that after the theme music. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. And remember, we choose who we want to be. So we must choose to do what we can. On demand. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Hostile Takeover. The official description for Hostile Takeover says, quote, Kara goes toe-to-toe with Astra when her aunt challenges Kara's beliefs about her mother. Oh, no. Also, and the oh, no, was me adding that in there. <laughs> Not part of the official description. That would be hilarious. Oh, no. Also, Kat is threatened with being removed as the CEO of CatCo. That's another oh, no that I'm going to insert in there. After a hacker exposes her private and damaging emails, unquote. (laughs) So, um, Teresa, what are you excited about in this uh, description? Ah, I mean, so many things. Uh, we've already had a little bit of Astra kind of challenging Kara's beliefs about her mother. Because w- when they first introduced Astra, she approached Kara kind of like, I want you to join my team. We're going to save this, you know, this world by pretty much destroying it. Um, and your your mother, you know, and her sense of justice was not all that. Like she put a lot of people in jail that shouldn't have been there, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll be interesting to see how she furthers that. But really, I am interested in this whole cat grant fiasco that's about to happen, um, mostly because it definitely mirrors, um, if y'all were paying attention to the the Sony email hacks, mm-hmm. um, it, it kind of is reminiscent of that. I wonder if the, the writers are kind of tapping into, you know, what happened there and how, on the one hand, you have privacy, right? And you have, like, private emails that... You know, you should be able to say what you want to a friend in a private email and have it stay private. And on the other hand, you have somebody who's a public figure who's managing the lives of, you know, hundreds and thousands of employees and also putting images out there into the world. So do you have a right to know what they say in their personal correspondence? Um, So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that uh, in the, the face of like what has happened in real life. Yeah, I'm really interested in the cat part of this because Catco is her baby. Like she talks about in this week's episode when Kara is sick and sneezing everywhere, Cat is like, who is sick? 
because I cannot get sick because if I go down, everybody goes down and then the world <laughs> is eliminated. Like she, she basically um, tied her getting sick to the end of the world. So <laughs> for her to, um, which I appreciate in, in terms of her, you know, health and wellness, you know, in one episode, she, she was drinking a green smoothie and I was like, cat, we could be friends. Um, cause I'm into smoothies and juices myself, but I think it would really, I don't know if it would make her sad about this whole catco hacking thing or if it would fire her up. Like, I'm interested to see what her response is to this because um, I, I would imagine that Kat would be even more challenged. I, I know they talk about that in the uh, official description with Astra and Kara, but I think this would make her really fight for Catco. So I'm excited to see what happens as a result of that. And I'm just glad to see Astra back because I know we've talked about like, you know, where is she? Yeah, where'd, where'd she go? Where'd she go? <laughs> so I'm excited to maybe find out where she's been. Totally. Um, and it's it's funny because uh, the episode is called Hostile Takeover. So whoever this hacker is, you know, clearly it's they're they're exposing her private emails for a very specific reason. I just had this thought. I could be totally wrong, but I kind of feel like Maxwell Lord might have something to do with this. I, w- I was maybe thinking that too. <laughs> they have a little bit of a rivalry. They do. They have history, and it's clear that they're always very snarky with each other. And um, so I'm thinking about that. But also, it's really interesting to me because you, when you said uh, that Catco is Cat's baby, and um, and it is like it's a, the company that she started. But that's always been the interesting thing to me about having a board is that once you have a, a company that's big enough and you have a board of directors, like that board has more power than even the person who started the company. That's and true. and so it kind of forces a CEO to to stay on their game and to kind of um you know, because because the board members came on for a certain reason, like they believed in the company for whatever reason. They're like, we're here because we want to help steer this ship. And it kind of forces a CEO to kind of stay true to that vision because if the CEO goes off the rails, the board of directors has the right to be like, yeah, no, we, we don't agree <laughs> with that and you're gone now. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see like why the – you know, whatever these emails are, wherever they end up coming from, what they say about Kat um, and why the board would be like, hey, these emails are damaging enough that you need to go. Mm. Um, So that's that's interesting to me because, you know, human drama. I love it. (laughs) Well, that's it for our brief little spoiler section about next week's episode. I'm going to learn to talk one day. Uh, Thanks for listening. And we'll be back with another uh, episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.